So depending on what stage of life you're in, generally one of the things that you do around this time of year is you have a Christmas party. There's all types of Christmas parties. I've been to ugly sweater Christmas parties, been to the white elephant exchange parties. I've even uh, read about these parties where you uh, dress your pet up as something festive for Christmas. And then there's bonus points if you and little Bootsy match. And there's like a reward. I mean, it sounds terrible to me. I, 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 but I mean, I'm not going to judge you if that's something you're into. I mean, do whatever you want. It's your Christmas party. But uh, holiday parties are the thing to do. There's uh, Christmas parties at school a lot of times. Laura is getting ready next week to, to take little treats to the public schools. God bless them to have the day off and party in school. It's awesome. Uh, I'm an awesome boss, and so I'm throwing a Christmas party for all of our elders and team leaders. You should really think about becoming a leader so you can tell people that you, you get a party with your pastor. I'm not sure how many people can say that, but it's going to be awesome. Uh, now, here's what's interesting, though, about parties. I looked up the word in the dictionary, and a party was defined as a social gathering of invited guests, typically involving eating, drinking, and entertainment. It sounds right, but the reason I find that interesting is because that's not at all how most people view church. For most people, if somebody asked them, hey, what's your church like? I don't know how many people would say, well, it's like a party. It's a Jesus party. For us in this room, it's probably a little different based on that Webster's definition because, I mean, we have plenty of food back there for you to eat. You can get yourself some coffee or hot cider or Kool-Aid or whatever, so there's something to drink. And as far as entertainment goes, are you not entertained? Right? I mean, little uh, gladiator joke for you. But uh, entertainment is simply defined as the action of providing enjoyment. And so I would hope as you find your time here, it would be enjoyable and meaningful. Uh, So I always like to say that I feel like church should look way more like a party than a funeral because we've got something to celebrate. Yet, that's not most people's experience. When most people think about God and church and Christianity, they think just the opposite of a party. A guy named H.L. Mencken has an interesting viewpoint. He was part of the Puritan movement a couple hundred years ago, and this is what he said. He said, Christianity is the haunting fear that someone somewhere is having a good time. And for many of you, you grew up around Christians and churches that reinforce that idea. Christians and church is supposed to be solemn and serious, and they weren't even hiding that. You've, they told you, like, wipe that smile off your face. It's church. You can't, you can't laugh. You can't smile. This is not a place to have fun. But David said in the Psalms, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He was excited. He was exhilarated with anticipation. He would think about going to church on a Sunday. Unfortunately, that's not most people's story. Most people feel like going to church is like going to the dentist. Nobody's excited about going to the dentist. 
You're not happy about getting your teeth worked on. Nobody jumps up in the morning with great anticipation and says to themselves with joy, yes, today is the day I get to go to the house of dentistry. (laughs) Nobody has ever said that. The dentist is something you do because you feel like you have to. You've run out of excuses on why you can't go. You've put it off for as long as possible. Eventually, your mom or your wife, somebody convinces you that you have to go. And I know that's how some people feel about church. And I get it. There's just some real similarities between church and the dentist. For example, if you go to the dentist, he's going to make you feel bad about not coming more often. The pretentious hygienist is going to ask you some personal questions about your habits And they're going to make you feel guilty. They'll say something like, when's the last time you flossed? And you'll have to say, well, you probably know better than me because you were the last person that did it. I mean, (laughs) check the chart. I don't know. Whatever, Whatever says I was here last, that was the last time I flossed. I mean, you could lie. You say, oh, I floss all the time. After every meal, every day, doesn't matter. But your gums rat you out. They, you blood cascades out of your mouth. They know that they, you're not flossing. But then once your mouth has been assaulted, you've got to leave, and then you've got to pay the lady at the desk some money, and you lie about coming back soon. You know, sure, yeah, I'll see you in a couple months. Uh, it just all feels a little bit familiar. The guilt, the money, the beat down, the lies, it just feels a little bit, for some of you, like church. At least that's maybe how you grew up. And it was kind of confusing because you knew what the dentist was for. Like you knew their end goal was for straight white teeth and healthy gums, but you weren't always sure what the church was for. for. I mean, you knew what they were against. They made that perfectly clear. Like they were against some TV shows. You couldn't watch The Simpsons. They were against some books. You couldn't read Harry Potter. You were not allowed to celebrate Halloween unless it was at the church Halloween alternative and you had to dress up like a Bible character except the prostitutes, right? I mean, you couldn't dress up like a prostitute. I mean, that was out. Uh, no dead Lazarus. I mean, zombies, That's that's got to be out as well. And they always had horrible candy. There was never Snickers or Kit Kats. It was always like Whoppers and candy corn. Like, who eats that? candy corn. It's terrible. So it felt like the church didn't like what you liked or they didn't like what your friends liked. And it was all very confusing because you knew they were anti-dancing, but Father Abraham, like right arm, left arm, right. I mean, that was cool. You could do, you could do that. But, uh, and you knew drunkenness was a sin, which it is, but nobody ever said anything about gluttony although that's one of the top seven, according to some traditions. You knew Christians were anti-bikini, but the tankini, I mean, that was cool. I mean, you could wear that. I mean, we all know that the the stomach is what gets guys revved up anyway, so I mean, better cover that up. Uh, They made it clear that they were anti-yoga, but yoga pants... I'll, you go for it. That's that's cool. They're just super comfortable, so you gotta you gotta do that. Cussing, not a chance. Except for Christian cuss words, you know, like dadgummit or horse feathers, whatever 
whatever. I mean, that's fine, even though your heart is still saying what your mouth wants to say. But I mean, we knew the church was anti a whole bunch of things. We knew the church was anti-sex because of where that could lead. That could lead to dancing. So, you, I mean, you got to... <laughs> point number one, no dancing. So again, it was just, it was all very confusing. And I know it is. And unfortunately, I don't have time to clear it all up today. But if you stick around long enough, I think you'll find that we'll provide a little bit of clarity. But uh, it'll start making some sense. Today, specifically, I want to clear up one of the points in case you were invited to a Christmas party. I want you to know that partying, that was God's idea. And I know it's hard to believe, especially if you grew up in church, but I promise you, it's all in here. I titled today's message, Oh, What Fun It Is to Party. And I want you to see that parties are God's idea and design for human beings from the very beginning. Now, that doesn't mean that we as Christians have to just pretend that everything is okay when things are not okay. And we just have to party on the outside, even though things are a train wreck and falling apart on the inside. Furthermore, it doesn't mean that we have to be afraid to engage some of the challenging aspects in the world that we live in, because as we look at the world, there's oftentimes not a whole lot to party about. We have people blowing themselves up. Just read in my news feed this morning, a Christian church in Pakistan got blown up uh, as they were trying to celebrate Christmas. We've got kids getting slaughtered. We've got sexual sin running rampant. And it's a ridiculous world out there sometimes. But we don't have to run away from those things because of what God has done and who He is. We as Christians get to walk in a spirit of joy. By and large, our spirit should be one of a festive nature. So let me show you this uh, in Scripture. If you brought a Bible, and I hope you did, go ahead and grab it. You're going to want to open up to Leviticus. That's the third book in your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus is how it will go. I'm excited about this because unless you get paid to read the Bible, you've likely never read all the way through Leviticus. And so this will be good for you. You want the big number 23, which is uh, a little bit towards the back of Leviticus. So not only are we going to find out that God is a God who likes to party, But we're going to see the Old Testament God in Leviticus, Yahweh, He specifically ordains parties. Many people think of the Old Testament as pointless. There's just a lot of names. God's angry. He kills some people. Uh, There's a whole bunch of thou shalt nots, and you just skip over all that. And listen, it's not true. Now, I I certainly could have picked a number of New Testament passages to show you about Jesus and how he goes to parties and how he turns water into wine. He tells stories about how there's going to be this really epic party and we need to go out to the streets and invite all the people we can to this party. And I think most people in their mind know that Jesus is after their joy because he said, I've come so that you might have life and have it to the full. And he did the whole thing where he dies for our sins and all that. So he must really love us and be after our joy. So it's not a stretch for people to believe that Jesus likes to party, but Old Testament God, surely He is against all fun. There's nothing happy in the Old Testament, right? So, that was a joke. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I got one of you. Okay. Uh, Well, let's find out what God has to say about this. Leviticus number 23. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. 
These are the Lord's appointed festivals. What's another word for festivals? Party. These are the Lord's appointed parties, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. Pause. A couple things. First, notice that parties were appointed. That is to say, they were scheduled. If you do the math on these, you'll find that these six parties that will be listed after this uh, add up to 30 days on a calendar year. Now, if you add into that the the Sabbath days that were also supposed to be scheduled and the uh, birthday celebrations and the wedding celebrations, you're looking at more like three months of the year scheduled for parties. All the teachers in the room should go, see? It's biblical. Nine months of the year I work with these savages. The other three months, get a party. Absolutely. I agree. But also notice that the parties were God's idea. The Lord said to Moses. It wasn't Moses saying, hey, God, you know, these people are kind of complaining a lot. There's something surely that we can do to to boost morale a little bit. Like, I don't know, festival, festivus for the rest of us, God, something, some sort of party. He just said, oh, great, great idea, Moses. No, God said, these are the Lord's appointed festivals. Whose festivals? The Lord's appointed festivals. Now, the other thing you should notice is the purpose for the party. So let me clarify what I said earlier. God likes to party, yes, but God likes to party with a purpose. And His purpose is holy assembly. I'll tell you what that means in just a second, but let's keep reading. Verse 3. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. Uh Uh-oh. Do you see what I just said? The purpose of the Sabbath is for holy assembly. In other words, the Sabbath isn't for sleeping in as long as you want, as long as you catch the message online at a later date. The Sabbath isn't reserved for watching football or taking your kids to sports tournaments or catching up on the honey-do list. Well, God knows I had a tough week, so He would want me to rest on the Sabbath, have people just leave me alone. Really? Because the Bible just said the Sabbath is a day for holy assembly. Like a day to gather together and celebrate what God has done. And it goes on to say it's the Lord's Sabbath day and it must be observed wherever you live. And this is such a big deal for God that the command to not skip the Sabbath even made it into the top ten for God. Why? Why is this such a big deal? Well, for those of you who don't know the story, at the time Moses is giving this law to the people, they had been rescued from Egypt where they were enslaved for 400 years. Let that sink in. This country is not even 400 years old, yet the people of God had been beaten, tortured, and required to work every day, all day, for 400 years. And God says, listen, because I've rescued you from that, I want you to gather together and celebrate the fact that you're no longer in slavery anymore. And I want you to do that every Sabbath day, every week. And I want you to throw a party and remember what I've done for you. 
every week. And for us, a few thousand years later, the same thing is true. You say, Pastor, we are not enslaved. I'm an American, free as can be, America. Okay, well, did, did God uh, not just say, that, or in the Bible, does not, God not say that sin is the equivalent of slavery? Romans 6.6 6 says we were once slaves to sin, but because of Jesus, we have been rescued from slavery. Not a physical slavery, but a spiritual slavery. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus first begins His ministry. He walks into a temple. He opens up a scroll to Isaiah and He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And then He goes, I'm the brother that's going to do that. I'm going to set everybody free. And then he like rolls the scroll back up and just drops it and then walks out. My man, Jesus, gangster. That's what he does. First mic drop ever in recorded history. But, but that's the point I'm trying to make. How much more should we as followers of Christ be in a spirit of rejoicing? How much more should our lives reflect the happiness that should live deep in our souls because we've been forgiven by Jesus? We've been set free. Whereas these Jews are only looking forward to the day where God can walk with them and talk with them. We get that opportunity right now. This isn't your day. This is the Lord's Sabbath day for holy assembly. Jesus says that the, that the Sabbath was created for us, not us for the Sabbath. And then Hebrews tells us that, that this is our party time. It says, do not let us neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is a big deal to God. You come and you gather in holy assembly and you celebrate what the Lord has done. But God doesn't stop there. Verse 4, in addition to the Sabbath... There are the Lord's appointed festivals, the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. Now, we're not going to read about every one of these festivals. There's six of them, as I already mentioned, although I would encourage you to go back on your own and read about the festivals. I'll just quickly list them for you. There's the Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, which sounds super rad, like some kind of New Orleans jazz festival or something. Uh, there's the Day of Atonement, and finally the Feast of Booths. If you're a camper, you will really like the Feast of Booths. Go check it out. It basically is celebrating how they used to live in tents, but now they've got houses, and for a week they decide to go live in the tents again, which I know sounds horrible. I mean, I, I can't imagine camping. Uh, for me, that's like five-star hotel to a four-star that's camping. That's as much camping as I'm probably going to do. I don't know how you barbarians do it. Uh, you know, toilet and shower, please. But whatever. Uh, Feast of booths. Check it out. Here's the thing. In a very real way, God is saying, you may not feel like it, but it's on the calendar. These are the days each year that you're going to stop and you're going to celebrate what's been done. And here's the one festival that I want us to focus on this morning. It's the, the festival of uh, the Feast of First Fruits. So check it out. It's verse 10. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. 
When you enter the land I'm giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. Circle, star, underline, whatever you do, that word bring. Okay, it's a big deal. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift up before the Lord so as it may be accepted on your behalf. On that same day, you must sacrifice a one-year-old lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With it, you must present a grain offering consisting of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil. It will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This is how we know that God likes smoked meat and barbecuing and all those types of things. It's all here. You've got to read between the lines. You must also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you bring this offering to your God. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. So here's what I want you to see in the text. The people were responsible for bringing something. That's why you circled that word, to bring. Uh, You can jot it down this way. Participation leads to celebration. Participation leads to celebration. Most people think accumulation leads to celebration, but that's not what the Bible just said. It said participation leads to celebration. Which if you think about this in your own life, it makes sense. When you go to a party, you're generally responsible for bringing something to the party. An ugly sweater, a gift for the gift exchange, perhaps a bottle of wine, a dish of food, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm sure many of you have family coming over for Christmas. They're generally each responsible for bringing something to the party. That's because you feel like more of a participant when you bring something to the party. It's easier to celebrate the party because you do not feel awkward, like you did not contribute to the party, like you're just taking from the party. It's because participation leads to celebration. So let me ask you a very important question. If church is a party, which I'm advocating for based on the definition of what the boys at Webster just told us, plus what God just said to Moses about the Sabbath, that how we're supposed to celebrate that, then, then what are you bringing to the party? What are you bringing to the party. If participation leads to celebration, what are you bringing to our party? Now, certainly I could have made a case in this passage how it's, it's talking about some financial gifts. That, uh, Moses talks about first fruits and tithing is how they call that. I, I could have talked about that, but don't worry, we're not going to, although I would encourage you to to go online and listen to the message that we just gave a few weeks ago about tithing. And I would encourage you to participate in our tithe challenge because participation leads to celebration. There's information in the baskets and back there at Connection Corner if you want to know about the tithe challenge. But I think participating goes much deeper than just giving. I mean, if if church was only about you giving money, then we should just be a country club where you pay your monthly tithes. We'll get some massage chairs in here for you, and you can just chill and, and whatever. I mean, but that's not at all how church works, at least not this church. So what is this talking about then if it's not talking about money? How does participation lead to celebration? Well, watch this, Romans 12.1. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and to pleasing Him. 
This, what we just listed, offering yourself as a sacrifice, this is the true worship that you should offer. In other words, you should be using the gifts, talents, abilities, and passions that God has given you to not only grow yourself, but also to grow His church. It's how you participate in the party. I'll say it this way. Every one of you are a 10 in some area. Now, my job is to help you discover what that area is, and then you resolve to use that ability for God's glory. That's the way you worship God. Ephesians 4.12 tells me my job is to equip the saints for ministry. That's why God gave uh, preachers, teachers, evangelists to the church, is to help equip you for ministry. And, and that's the way you worship God, is by using those gifts to celebrate God, to say thanks for all that you've done for me, by rescuing me from my sin, God. This is the way that I want to help uh, return the favor and celebration back to you. Now, because I believe that with my whole heart, and I want to help you discover that, uh, that's why we offer next. It's why we also offer small groups. These two ministries above and beyond anything else that we do here are to help you figure out what you are supposed to be bringing to the party. Why? Because participation leads to celebration. And I want you to participate and celebrate all that has God has done. If you have a hard time celebrating God, if this is not the spirit of your soul, my first two questions to you are going to be, okay, where are you serving and what small group are you in? Those are the first two things that I'm going to ask you because these things, these two things are really your starting point. And the beauty is I know you're super busy. And so next is only three Sundays. Small group sessions are only 10 weeks with a break in between. You've got an opportunity not just to get in, but if you don't like it, you can get out. All you've got to commit to is 10 weeks. And with small groups, there's no studies or books to read or anything extra like that. All you have to do is come on a Sunday morning. You listen to the message. In your welcome guide, there's going to be a whole list of questions about the message and some places in the Bible that you can go and explore the things that we talked about. And then you can answer those questions on your own. And then you go to your small group and you party. There will be food and celebration and all kinds of things like that. And you'll build a relationship. And then you'll discuss the questions that we talked about uh, or that were in your welcome guide on a Sunday morning. And really, the only thing that we're asking you is for one other night a week aside from Sunday morning. And so you all can uh, figure out how to incorporate one other night into your week. Uh, and so this is, is where you should start. You can sign up for all of those things starting today. But here's what else you really need to see about the party. And what Jesus says uh, is that everyone is invited. Everyone gets invited to God's party. There's a great story in the New Testament. It's recorded a couple different places, but uh, it's, it's how Jesus was calling his first disciples. He approaches a tax booth. There's a guy named Levi sitting there. You might know him as Matthew. Uh, he wrote a book of the Bible. And uh, he says, hey, come follow me. And Jesus says, uh, Jesus says that to, to Levi, and he says, great, what should I do? And, and he decides that he'll do what he knows how to do, which is throw a party. 
And so he throws this epic party. There's all kinds of other tax collectors and is there everybody is invited. And all the religious people get mad because Jesus is hanging out with all the friends of this tax collector. And they believe Jesus shouldn't be doing that because those people are sinners. But the point of the story is rather clear. It is Jesus makes it clear. He says, everyone is invited to the party. He says, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor. It's the sick. So everybody gets to come to my parties. So let me make something clear. As long as I get to speak for this church, which right now I can, everyone is welcome in our party. Everyone is welcome. You might be a Lutheran. You might be a lesbian. You might be a vegetarian. Everybody is welcome at this party. doesn't matter. Agnostic, atheistic, alcoholic, red, yellow, black, and white. Everybody's precious in His sight. All are welcome at this party. Here's the only thing I would ask, though. What are you bringing to our party? If you want to celebrate with us, then you've got to learn how to participate, which, listen, depending on what the Bible says, it might mean that you have to make some changes in your life to participate in the party. I believe that this is a safe place for you to not be okay, but it's not okay for you to stay there. That God's got some next steps that He wants you to take. Amen, somebody? Depending where you're at in life. Now, take your time kick out the tires, do what you need to do, but don't be somebody who only takes from our party. Be a contributor because of what God has done for you and what He will do for your life. Don't just consume. Contribute to our party. So I'll wrap everything up kind of like this as we close. I'm sure by now we all know the devastation that happened in Houston because of Hurricane Harvey. What you may not have heard about is a guy named Jim Mackingvale, or as he's known in Houston, Mattress Mac. Mattress Mac owns a series of popular furniture furniture stores because of the amount of investment and capital that he has within those stores. They were designed to be floodproof. Well, after he saw all the devastation around him, he decided that he was going to open up the doors to his stores as a shelter. You might have seen some of these posts on Facebook. It went viral where people are sleeping on these multi-thousand dollar uh, mattress sets and multi-thousand dollar couches and recliners and on all these display pieces. Uh, mattress Mac said, no, y'all come here. And we got bathrooms and, and some of his stores even had restaurants and they came and they ate and they were able to sleep. And uh, he, not only did he do that, he sent his delivery trucks out to rescue folks. The personal expense that Mattress Mac incurred was literally thousands of dollars out the door just to help people. But this is what Mattress Mac said to reporters. He said, there's a lot of heartbreak around us, but the people in here, they've got great spirits and they're getting better. Being together in a space is helpful for all of us. People don't feel like they're on their own. Are you seeing the correlation between that and church? I don't know how each one of you came in here today, but here's what I do know. You're not on your own. 
because of the people gathered together here for holy assembly, because of a church our size, somebody has been where you have been. And therefore, you are not alone, despite how you feel. And here's what else I know. Participation leads to celebration. Celebration always leads to transformation. You want to change your life? You want God to do something powerful in your life? Participate in His mission which has always been to rescue people from slavery. We see that in Scripture. How do I do that, Pastor? I don't know. But that's the cool part about doing this together and you not being on your own. We can discover that together. And I want to help you figure out what you can bring to the party. But that's my challenge for you today. As you leave this place... What is it that I can bring to the party? Let's pray. God, we love you. We're thankful for this opportunity that we have to come and celebrate everything that you have done for us. God, I believe that you rescued us from our sin through what Jesus did on that cross. His blood washed away my sin because He not only died for me, but He also rose from the dead. I can be made new. All my sin has been forgiven. Past, present, and future. And God, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the people you've brought into this place, the gifts and talents and abilities that they use for your glory. For what they bring to this party, God, I'm thankful for it just ask that you do what only you can do and open up hearts, open up minds, encourage people. If there's anybody here who has not trusted in you, God, I ask that you do what you can do right now. Save their soul. If that's you, if you've never really put your trust in Jesus, you might have been going to church your whole life and you say, Pastor, I've, I don't know if I believe, but What you're saying makes sense. I want to follow Jesus with my whole heart. If that's you this morning, I would invite you, just in your heart, in your spirit, put your trust in Jesus. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've tried to do life my own way. But I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose from the dead. I believe He rescues me from the slavery of sin. Thank You for saving me. Help me live for You. I give You my life. God, I thank You for that. I thank You for, again, everybody here today. I ask that You bless them in a way that only You can do. Encourage them. Give them festive souls, a celebration in their hearts because they know what you have accomplished on their behalf. We ask all this in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen.